so many takeaways in this incredible episode with Mark Smith. He dropped so many bombs. I told him after the show, I'm going to have to go back and listen to this again with my pen and paper in hand because this one was amazing. He is the 7-2 mindset investor. He is a real estate investor. He is a mindset architect and high ticket sales coach. And he's a podcast host and just honestly, a, a man of God who you can tell no different than so many of our incredible guests. He has a backstory that he immediately dives into in this show that had me kind of in a state of shock. One, because it's not often that guys go that deep that fast, but also with the state of self-awareness and self-reflection that he brought thereafter. He said that fear and joy can't coexist. And you all know my passion for joy and hashtag up joy your life is something I'm so passionate to see not just humans in general, but specifically entrepreneurs stand within because there's a lot of pressures in their area, a lot of fear that can be implanted, a lot of storytelling that we do. And yet he teaches us how to break through it, not just from a sales perspective, which I was super grateful for the nuggets in that regard, but from the place of being woke and, and woke, what does that mean to you? It's that place of self-awareness, that place of identity, standing within thyself purposed and aware of the calling. And I am just honored, really, truly, to introduce you to Mark Smith. And I hope that you will not only tag us in all of the places as you share this, but leave a review, leave a review of what met your heart and how it seeped in and what you're going to activate because that was probably the biggest component of this show was knowing that I had so many places I could activate immediately after listening to him. He is just brilliant and a forever learner. And I love coexisting with fellow learners who love to read and he loves to do both of those things. And so you guys, if you haven't figured it out, you need to tune in. Ready, set, go. Welcome to the Fit and Faith Podcast. Fit is an acronym representing founders, innovators, and trailblazers who are looking to live a life wholly, fully, authentically, and truly fit. A space for us to connect on the raw, real stories of mind, body, and soul alignment of entrepreneurs and kingdom leaders. I'm your host, Tamara Andress, and this podcast isn't like the cookie cutter interview experience. I've been coined the entrepreneurial rabbi, and so we do go there, unscripted. No matter how far, wide, deep, or high the there is, my desire is to see people rise from the inside out into their greatest calling by sharing their truest stories, talents, and tips. As a purpose activator and brand builder, I believe our successes and failures are derived from who and whose we are, not what we do. But strategy and vision are equally as important to the mission. So let's cut to the chase together and get fit in faith. Yes, so excited to have Mark Smith here today, you guys. I hope you got to watch the intro to that. And for those listening on the podcast, at some point, you need to come on live and hang with the guests because it's that much more fun. Mark, I'm so grateful to have you here. Thanks. I'm very grateful to be here. And that was a cool video. Thanks. Yeah, it always makes you guys like just brush your shoulders off. You, Every single one of you. If I was in person, I'd just like give you a little bit of ego, uh, just a little bit, but enough to keep you humble. Absolutely. That's great. <laughs> 
So you guys, if you don't know Mark Smith, we've got connected via Clubhouse, which it feels like a lot of guests are from Clubhouse these days. Um, but I feel like there's such a gift in that to be able to connect with people across the globe who are doing incredible things. I first and foremost, love the way that you've curated words together to serve your passions. I think a lot of times people are like, oh, I'm a business coach. I'm a real estate agent, right? And these things get so overplayed that nobody can even uh, relate to you. And so I love mindset investor. I love strategic mindset architect and all of the other pieces to what you do, motivational speaking, your own podcast, which I am excited to be a guest on as well. So I am excited to just get to know you more and show the audience uh, where that comes from, where that creativity stems from. Sure, absolutely. And like I said, I'm very, very humbled and very grateful to be part of this amazing podcast. So thank you again. Um, yeah, maybe I can give you, you know, I like try, I try to give a, a summary, but my summaries tend to drag on. So I'm going to do the best <laughs> okay. I can here. Okay. Um, so uh, my background is, um, so I've been, do, I do high, I, I've been doing high ticket sales now for uh, more than half my life, which is really scary. Um, but it's, it's, it's been amazing. I mean, I've done over a hundred million dollars in high ticket sales. Um, I'm a real estate investor as well. I'm a mindset investor. I'm a firm believer in mentorship and I'll, I'll go on to all those things in a second. But there is the other story beforehand, um, that led up to where I, I am today. And that was a story of, a of myself, uh, you know, working in a hospital, um, where by the age of about 2021, 20, I had already killed seven people in the hospital. And what I mean by that, and your audience is probably saying, where's this guy going with this? So I killed seven people. Um, and my responsibility was life support. So I was at the bedside. So of course, everybody's knowing more about ICU ventilators and so forth. So I was a respiratory therapist. And I worked in the neonatal intensive care unit, pediatric intensive care unit, and I worked in adult intensive care. But as much as we saw a lot of patients do really well, it was also my responsibility to go and turn off life support on these patients. So although it wasn't my decision, it was a family decision, I was the Grim Reaper and I was the one that was actually turning off the machine and seeing that last breath go in and then come out mechanically. And I mean, I've had mothers beat my chest. I've had fathers spit my face, threaten me with death. Um, you've been had to walk to the car with security. Um, and I was young. And I, you know, I look back at that and man, like I have a son that's turning 18 years old and I wouldn't want him to go through that. And I had no way of unpacking that. You know, I felt helpless. So we'd, I'd go to the bar with my friends and they say, okay, let's go. And typical guys at that age, you know, there's two things that we want, right? Uh, the women and the alcohol. Uh, <laughs> and I would just go in the corner and just say, leave me alone. I just want to be by myself. And I would drink and drink and drink. And it was just the pain I had because I felt so helpless. And because I didn't mend all that and get the help I needed and unpack that, that stayed with me for, for my life, with my life. And ended up having uh, uh, bad relationships that impacted me further. Um, you know, I had a marital breakdown. Um, through the marital, marital breakdown as well, um, you know, I was uh, I was alleged. There was alleged domestic uh, abuse. Um, unfortunately, or unfortunately, or fortunately, um, it was all false. Um, my children witnessed that I wasn't even home when it happened, um, but yet I had to go through the grinder with it to to get my name back on track and i remember the judge who was female which scared me basically said you've been through enough sir you're going home i'm dropping all charges but to happen again <laughs> literally four years after um and then you know 
and looking up at the sky and telling God, like, I'm in the back of this cop car. And if you truly are, do exist, show me now. Otherwise, you're, de- you're dead to me type of thing. And just having that faith. Um, and within minutes, I was my, my the charges were all dropped, which was just phenomenal. Um, you know, my children have been alienated from me, um, which was really, really tough. But a lot of this I take ownership with. I take ownership because, you know what, um, other people are dealing with other stuff. And I take ownership. And the only way you can start forgiving is by taking ownership of something. And that's where the element of control happens. But why I, I share all this is because on the outside, it may look like I have it all figured out and from your intro and that kind of stuff. But I actually had to be broken in order to to start to fix on myself. And what that was, Tamara, was is the major link was my broken mindset. I used to invest more in being my, into my ego. And what I mean by that, I was, and I love what Barbara Majeski says. She's, she says she's a recovering people pleaser. Yeah, I love that. And, uh, and that's, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. And what it was, was, is I, I, I wanted to be viewed by others. I wanted people to love me. I had to be the most popular person in school. I had to have all the parties when I lived in Chicago and we used to have some amazing times, but it was a sense of emptiness if I didn't have that. So in actual fact, what I thought was being selfless, I was actually being selfish because all it did was fuel my ego and it was a cheap crack hit is what it was. And what I realized again was my mindset was the, was the, was the issue. And I had to now work on my mindset and through all that work with my mindset and continued work and deep work and having amazing mentors. Um, I realize now that I have to be selfish in order to become selfless. So I take pride in knowing I made a declaration that I will invest $1 million on my mindset. I have amazing, amazing mentors. And the reason why I say I'm making is an investment in your mindset is because our mindset is the only ROI we have control over. Mm, You know, we can go buy a house and we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow if there's COVID, COVID Zulu and then all of a sudden our tenants don't pay. We have no control over that. But we do have control of what we put in our mind because what we put in our mind allows our brain to see more. Um, so through that, that's where the whole shift happened. And that's where it became game on. Um, and I realized I had to stop searching for who I think who I thought I was and allowed me to start creating who I want to become. Wow. So many things we could go in so many parts of my story or your story as my brain was running in all the places, but trying really hard to stay present. Um, my, my passion in interviewing people, especially through this podcast has always been that we get to start with what the world sees, but ultimately we all know that we are one thing and that is a equal, um, that is equal in the sense that we all have our hardships. We all have our trials and tribulations. And yet we also have the ability to rise above because today, today, right now, we're still breathing. And so there is purpose in that breath. And no matter how hard it took you to get to where you are today, you're still willing to go resiliently into the next day. Um, And so just amazing that you just jumped right into the vulnerable. Usually I have to like pull people, the onion layers off to get there. And so I can tell you, you've been able to really tap into that emotional intelligence and that awareness to be able to know that with putting that vulnerability out on the line, putting that story out there, not only does it make you more relatable, but it allows people to further come into community uh, with you and and where you're going now. Cause you're like, all right, mm-hmm. he's been there. Now I want to go with him into the next level. Sure. And, and, you know, and that's what I'm a firm believer in two aspects. Number one, is I pour into myself so I can pour into others. That's very important to me. 
And number two is I'm a firm believer that our vulnerabilities are our superpowers. Um, you know, and Jim Quick said it great in one of his books, um, which was, it was actually from the movie Spider-Man, uh, <laughs> and which was when, um, you know, Peter Parker was in a car with his uncle Ben and his uncle Ben says with great power comes great responsibility. But once we take ownership with great responsibility comes great power. Mm-hmm. I love you've played, a, you've played two things on, on each other. And I love that so much. I love the selfish and selfless piece. Um, I think we live in a culture where like self-love is glamorized. And I think that there is an importance to it. Uh, but I think when it, we strip back, it's that understanding of ego versus self-awareness. And if we're only pouring into ego, like you're talking about, and that gets self-inflated, it's usually getting inflated because of self-indulgence rather than self-love, which is understanding who you are based in your identity. And so talk us through as you, it sounds like you took punch after punch in your identity and who you are. Like it was literally being shifted, not just from husband, but from father, from friend, from the, the life of the party to not the life of the party, right? The grim reaper. I mean, that identity alone, it carries so much weight. How have you through mindset investment been able to shed those kind of labels in order to stand in the truth of who you are? Sure. Uh, that's a fantastic question. You know, um, I'm a firm believer, you know, that and there's, I'm thinking about two ways to go with this, but before one can have self-acceptance, they have to be self-aware. So self-awareness is critical. Um, you know, and uh, as I was mentioning before, one of my mentors is Tim Story, a personal friend of mine, and he tells me about take inventory, take inventory, take inventory. So from that self-awareness comes self-acceptance. But that's not the battle. The battle is self-regulation. And that's where the deep work lies. Because, Tamara, let's face it. I mean, I have, you know, it's, it's very hard to go to the gym. It's very hard to, hard to eat healthy. Like, let's yeah. just face it, right? It's yeah. very hard not to overconsume another glass of wine. It's too easy to go that way. And that's where the deep work comes in. It comes with that discipline. And so for me, that, that's where it really stems from is that aspect is it had to be self-aware for self-acceptance, for self-regulation. I've been on the other side of it and I refuse to go back. And in fact, just to make matters worse, uh, I actually got hit with COVID um, oh, no. and just recently. And, um, and that's you know right, what? Because we were supposed to be on the show a couple of weeks ago. That's, that's right. right. I forgot. That's right. So I had COVID and it was the worst experience of my life. I wouldn't want it on my own worst enemy. It was the worst experience. I closed my eyes. Um, cause I was bedridden for two and a half weeks. Every time I closed my eyes, I thought that was the last time I'd open my eyes. Like I actually felt my soul leaving my body. That's how sick I was. And I look at that and <laughs> I look at that and I came out stronger. I actually had to go through COVID. I took ownership of COVID and part of my expression here, I beat the shit out of COVID cause I came back stronger. <laughs> yeah. Cause I came back out of it realizing there was still aspects of my life that I hadn't cleaned up. It was like, you know, that rung on the towel at the end. And even my business partners came back and saying, wow, like we love this Mark Smith. Like we're this, he's on fire now, not because I'm very passionate, but there was, it just took things to a new level. And I basically felt like a sniper because I, there was last remnants of relationships that I said, you're gone, you're gone, you're gone, you're gone, you're gone. And part of that self-awareness comes in, you know, and RG Ecker says in his book, um, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, that you know, there's um, the programming, which leads to our thoughts, which leads to our feelings, which leads to our actions, then really result to our results, leads to our results. And the best part is programming can be changed. 
our conditioning can be changed. Thank God. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> right? And one of my favorite, my, my favorite Persian proverbs, it says, and I'm probably going to paraphrase this, which is you can't, if, sorry, if a plant is not growing in this environment, you don't change the plant. You take that plant and you put it into an environment it can thrive in. We're that plant and we have control of where we can be. So good. So we can control our conditioning. We can control our programming, but all comes down to a choice. And the quality of our lives is based on the quality of our decisions. And the quality of our decisions are based on the quality of choices. And the quality of choices come into play with the quality of questions we ask ourselves. Wow. You guys need to be taking notes. I'm over here and it's, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to read it afterwards, but I'm like, oh, wow, that's great. I just got to listen to it again. Uh, you're so right. And I think that the biggest part as you're talking through that and you're giving us basically a list, right, um, of, of each of those places, the question part really stands out to me because I think if we are better question askers, we would get better answers. And oftentimes we're anticipating the answer before ever really asking the question. God, come to summon me out of this situation, right? But really, what's the question that you're asking when you're in this pleading state? You want an answer without ever actually dissecting what's the truth of it. And so asking better questions like, where should I be planted? Where should I be leaning into? How should I be responding to this situation rather than letting emotions take over and you're so quick-witted or quick response and you're unable to actually have any sound or firm foundation to the actions that you're taking? Sure. And, and to go with that, with the question aspect, that's something I've realized through my journey of having just you know my amazing mentors is that where we are, we're... We, you know, we, it's very hard separating the trees from the forest, for example. But bringing in a mentor that can oversee and see the forest from a, a completely different lens altogether. Um, we don't even know what questions to even be asking. And a mentor, and I think that's where a mentor's place comes in, because a mentor can, can then ask those questions with the level of accountability. Mm. And that's why I love it. Like, I mean, I had a one of my mentors is out of Australia, for example. I had a six o'clock in the morning call. I'm not going to give that up. It's a very important call for me. Um, so I had to be up early. I'm usually up early anyways. Um, but, you know, and the questions he's asking me and he goes, uh, you know, this is not to make you feel uncomfortable, but it's to grow. And guess what? To grow, we have to be uncomfortable. Um, there's, um, I'm just an analogy king here, but there's a, something I heard, which is Just speaking of parables, parables exactly. <laughs> That's how I learn. exactly. Um, so it's like a, when a caterpillar goes in its cocoon, for example, the caterpillar, if, if the caterpillar is in there and there's a lot of energy that's happening in there, a lot of it's really, really going to be uncomfortable. The easiest thing for anybody to do is simply cut the cocoon and then the butterfly can go out. But that will actually kill the, the kill the caterpillar, kill the process. But with enough of that energy and that deep work and that's required, that's when the wings open up and it's ready to thrive. So going to the gym, someone can say, Oh, I'm going to the gym every day, but yeah, but you're lifting one pound dumbbells. The growth doesn't happen until after the sixth or seventh rep and you're feeling that burn. So burn people burn, walk into the pain, but it has to be you stress. Yeah. And I, I think 
that 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 tribulation, that like iron sharpening iron, that friction. I think friction is a really good yeah. word. It is often something that people lean away from. But I found, especially with the people that I've had the joy of having on the podcast, that it's actually the leaning into the friction that gets them into that forward momentum that much faster than the other people who aren't willing to take that route. Talk mm-hmm. us through like bravery, courage, willingness, like fight in order to go through something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Character comes from courage. That's where character is built, in my opinion. Um, And I was saying before, it's just too easy to take the easy path. But that's the path that the herd mentality goes. You know, and, you know, there's this, uh, like you see this with the buffaloes, for example, and when they used to hunt buffaloes back in wherever it was, and, you know, the you know, in Canada, we can't say some words, but it, it, that's where I'm based. But let's just say the natives would chase the buffalo and then they would fall over a cliff. And although the buffalo see them falling over the cliff, the herd still goes and they fall. Um, and that's that's really what the issue is, is this herd mentality, the mentality of I can't versus not even I'll try. I think the, the choice is I can or I can't. I think uh, I feel a lot of people are just so programmed and conditioned and the easy button. I think a lot of people yeah. just want the easy button. And the word is entitlement. Yeah. Is entitlement. I mean, you know, not that I get into politics or religion or even anti-vaxxing or vaxxing. I don't get into that. But when I see people that are, you know, really trying to force their opinion on others, I have a real problem with that because they're going after weak individuals. I see it. But those weak individuals need the most help. Yeah, absolutely. And often they need to ask the better questions. They need the better questions. And and, but those very same people, they fall into the herd mentality as well. So what happens? It's that it's that vicious cycle. And then what happens? They can't get out. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's the analogy of of the visual of the rat wheel. And, And I really feel like I was in that because. Um, I'll use another little example of visual is like the donkey with the dangling carrot, right? Or the horse with the carrot in front of them is like, it's going, it's going, it's going. And what is being dangled in front of us as a common society is success in the version of the flesh rather than in the version of the spirit. And that I believe is what people are going after. And that's where that void is consistently going. I'm sure your parents were so proud of that first career that you had in the sense of like, oh, my son, the doctor, right? Like, that's so incredible to have that at such a young age. But meanwhile, you're you're dying inside. And, and I think that it's so necessary, especially from the youth perspective, but also I get to interact with people in their mid fifties all the time who come to me and they're, they want what I have at such a young age, but I went through the fire sooner and was willing to sit there until that Phoenix from the ashes experience happens. But so many people with the quick button They're just like, get me out, right? Just get me out of this situation. But what they do, instead of actually getting out of the situation, they just suppress the situation with coping mechanisms. And I'm sure from a mindset perspective, you talked about the alcohol earlier, drugs associated to that. Lying is a part of mindset that you just lie to yourself and you lie to yourself, you lie to yourself, limiting beliefs. How have you worked through or helped others work through that coping mechanism piece that seems 
to society as normal. Like it's totally fine if you are success driven from a material perspective, right? It's actually applauded. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing I take pride in is, is helping, like I said, I, I pour into myself so I can pour into others. And when I'm able to pour into others, the real thing is getting them to be self-aware. It's not my responsibility for that self-acceptance, but I'm, my responsibility is to help them see the signs, see what's going on. I can't just go tell someone they're an alcoholic because two things are going to happen. They're going to get combative and they're probably going to punch me in the head, right? <laughs> yeah, true. We're, they have to accept the fact they are an alcoholic because once they do, they're going to be hopefully willing to seek that help. I remind people that like, you know, when there's this saying, I, I've talked to many people and they'll say, well, I can't believe these people are charging this much or whatever. And it's like, okay, that's the dollar amount that you've placed on choosing the path. So you just accepted if that if someone's going to charge you, I don't know, I'm going to throw a random number, $10,000 for a mentorship program. That's the, that's the price that you put on yourself that you're not worth. It's no wonder. Mm, I never looked at it from the flip script of that. That's interesting. There's a price for everything. Like everything, yeah. there's a price for everything. There's a sacrifice for everything. We go to war, the price is lives for our freedoms. Um, and so that's what I tell them. So when I'm, when I'm working with individuals, in, it, it's that. It's just giving them the tools, equipping them, and really showing them. But where that starts from is being relatable. It's being relatable. Um, you know, uh, Rachel Delalto, I mean, I had her on the yes, podcast as well. And we had a, a phenomenal conversation prior to her book release. And in her TEDx speak, uh, or speech, she at the beginning, she comes out and, you know, and she's a beautiful woman, of course, and comes out and says, um, oh, yeah, I was a perfect child. And I had this and I had that. And she's just in the way she's talking. And she puts her hand up and says, how many right now in the crowd want to come here and punch me in the face? And most of them <laughs> put their hand up. Because although our own self ideologies is that's what people want to see, that's not what they want to see. They despise it. Everybody's, it's like, why does Rocky still so popular? Because he's the underdog story. We're all underdogs. Be relatable. Don't be ashamed. Be proud of your vulnerabilities. Yeah. And it brings me back to like a common day question that we get and hear and probably ask all the time. And I've been very mindful in the season of what you could refer to as woke, I guess, understanding self, mm -hmm. um, understanding spirituality and, and all the things in the meantime, still becoming, still wanting to learn every day. But the question is, how are you? Right. And, and people get asked this all the time. Uh, oftentimes the person's asking, already answering in their head what your answer is going to be, and they're still walking past you with ever out making mm -hmm. eye contact. And the question and the answer experience that I've seen more and more that it just drives me bananas is I'm busy. And I'm like, that gives me no context because I feel like everyone's life is in that state, right? And so you're not telling me anything that I didn't already know. And if you said, I'm lazy or oh, I'm just, I'm really well rested, I would be like, what? Tell me more, <laughs> right? Yep. Like, I want to know the truth and busy seems to be popularized so much right now. Yep. Um, and so I always shake people because they'll even say, oh, I didn't call you because I knew you'd be busy. I didn't ask you to come help me move. I knew you'd be busy. I did. And I'm like, wait, who decides who's busy, right? And who yep. decides what your day unfolds as? Yep. And so how can we combat that busy culture um, that has been hustle culture, if you will, sure. uh, kind of glamorized? 
Yeah, I actually, when people tell me that, I actually come back. I actually, I don't have an answer for that. Or you're busy. Okay. Are you busy or are you productive? Uh, yeah, I say intentional. I always get, I'm intentional, but yeah. So, and, and that, th- this is where I start the, some of those conversations. And then, you know, and they'll look at me somewhat surprised and I'll say, okay, you're busy. Okay. How many times do you look at your Instagram today? So how many good. times? Like, were you meaningful so today? Yeah. And I tell people like, and again, some people may disagree with me, but I'm a firm believer. There's no, I'm a firm believer in this. This is simply my opinion is there's no such thing as balance in life. I think there's a better chance of finding a polka dot unicorn. Um, <laughs> you know, um, I believe in managing priorities mm. and we have levers in our life. We have our family lever. We got our relationship with our spouses. We got our mindset. We got our spirituality. We got our faith. We have our health. We have all these different levers, wealth, all that stuff you can't really have all of them in the same position because there's going to be burnout. So it's, it's almost, you almost want to have them almost in a clear position, but know where they are. And some days you may be at full throttle in one area, but the other area, and then the key to the key to the stamina is communication is understanding. Um, and I think what's also important too, is um, I was going to share this before there was um uh, a, a study I read, uh, which is very, very fascinating. I can't remember which, which journal it was in. And then I read it again in Annie Duke's book called uh, Thinking Think Odds or Thinking in Bets, I'm sorry. And going back to that question about being busy. Asking people how they gauge their happiness and they'll have the same questions, the same answers. Um, I have a great family or they have, they want to make sure they have a house or a good house. They want to make sure they have a good job, security and that kind of stuff. Those are all false answers. Most when, when they did the research, they actually came out as the most popular answer was, is they gauge their happiness by how they compare themselves to others. So going back to your question about being busy, people think it's busy is the, is the new, like, you know, orange is the new black. People think that's the way to tell you, but it's your board. It's your busy. Well, if you're busy, there's a problem. Yeah, that's good. There's a problem because if we, if you're living a life of fulfillment, is that busyness? Mm-mm. That's purposeful. Yeah, that's good. So that's how I, I shake the tree. And I tell people when, when I talk to them, expect shock therapy because I'm not going to take their BS. I love that. It's valuable. Yeah, exactly. As is theirs. And that's the understanding and unpacking of that ideation around busy that I'm very passionate about and want actually to do a little bit more research around because I think it's very interesting and something that I've honestly experienced since I was little. My mom gets told the exact same thing. And it's it's less about busy and more about pace, right? And I've had people tell me, there's no way you can maintain the pace that you're on. And I'm like, do you get to decide that? One, you don't know my source. You don't know the energy that it comes from because I used to be supersonic and I had burnout and overwhelm and my life hit rock bottom. And when I had that experience where the world was closing in around me, I was thinking about leaving the world when I had two beautiful babies in the other room and a husband who loved me. And that suicidal ideation was based in the fact that culture told me and expected of me and people expected of me. And I had no expectations for myself because I didn't know myself. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. One of the things that I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big believer of, and I put people on the spot, I said, you have a choice, happiness or fulfillment. I can give you happiness. We can just go get some dope right now. You'll feel happy. What's going <laughs> to happen to the rest of your life versus finding fulfillment. So people have said to me, man, you got to smile more. 
that's what you see in me. That's your reality. I can't see myself, but I know inside I'm, I'm, I'm in shits and giggles. I'm enjoying myself <laughs> Yes, because I'm living in, I'm, I'm, I'm living in fulfillment. And for me, it's, it's funny how you mentioned that where people say to you, you know, you got to be careful. You're going to burn out and this kind of stuff. I've had people tell me that. And I said, it's none of your business. Right. I, I understand you care for me, right. but you, but when I'm, when I'm feeling that I'm, I'm within my cause, my mission, my life's mission, my purpose being purposeful and fulfillment, I don't, I don't, I'm okay. Yeah. I'm okay. Yeah. But, but I do have to make sure that those other levers in my life are also being taken care of, not just full throttle in one and the rest are being left behind. hundred percent. And so intentionality you know, analogy of the levers or levers is so good, but I, I had like the experience in my life of being a gymnast for 16 years. And so balance beam, my favorite event, loved mm-hmm. it so much, got hurt on it quite a few times, but it was definitely my best event. And I've said ever since then that balance is a lie because I never hit a 10.0. I tried, I practiced hours and hours and hours every single week from the time I was four mm-hmm. all the way up and it never happened. And I was still striving for it long after the balance beam existed in my life. And so when I had that crash and burn quarter life crisis, if you will, I had to realize that the word was never balanced. The concept was never balanced. The goal was never balanced, but it was about that alignment. And so the question I always probe to people is, did you move the needle today? And what does that look like? People, uh-huh. I didn't, my, I didn't even touch my email. So did you have time with your family? Did you read your child a book? Did you get to work out? Did you get to move? Did you drink the water that you need to work drink? Like there's so many components of alignment, mind, body, soul, and spirit, that gratitude piece, that prayer piece, um, worship, whatever that looks like to people. And I just think we've gotten it wrong because there's not been many people who have at least taken the belief system to the next level to teach it consecutively. And yet when you go on this like journey of learning as you've done, and I love your, your um, header photo on your website with all the books and books literally follow me everywhere I go. I've got stacks all around me right now is, is because I just want to, I just want to have more. And it, and at the same time with that more and with that learning and that growth, we have to be able to apply it. I see you sister. The dream is spinning in your soul, calling you forward, and yet the works are taking a toll. Summoned into purpose to reap what he promised. What you desire is noble and honest. Co-laborers needed to level up your fields. Plow, plant, water, harvest to yield. Your vision and growth will manifest. Lay your spirit to rest with all you invest. A fresh season upon you, waiting to flourish, requiring your faith and works to nourish. Are you ready to reap your harvest? talk about all these mentors that you've surrounded yourself with you also being one of those mentors. So I'm sure many people, um, what are some of the like biggest things that you've learned from mentors that you've been able to apply? Um, 
there's so many things, you know, um, so many things I, I, I can go to. I mean, there's in, in probably write books on, but the biggest thing is, you know, it's the potential we have in all of us. Um, you know, one, one of the things I ask people is in your city or your town or in your zip code, where's the greatest source of untapped energy and has more power than a nuclear power plant? And people are like, okay, I don't know, mindset, this, that. And I said, no, it's the cemetery. How much potential energy are buried six feet under? How many cures for cancer, AIDS, maybe putting someone on Pluto went down there because people were living in fear? One of the biggest things I learned from my mentors as well is you can't live in fear and joy at the same time. You have to choose. It's one or the other. Um, you know, um, you know, as I said before about not stop searching for who you are, instead create who you want to become. That was the biggest thing. And you know, the, the, the amazing thing is, and I know this is your podcast, but I have to ask you a question because <laughs> you're asking me about the mentors, which is, so here you are trying to have some balance on a balance beam and so forth. Yet you have a judge that's dictating what is perfect or not. That is a sense of their own reality. Where in actual fact, you are in balance, but that's a sense of their own reality. Hmm. Right? Good, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and that's, that's the thing. And so ultimately, what I've also learned from my mentors um, is that, which is very powerful, is we judge ourselves by our intentions, but we judge others by their results. Come on. That is so true. Right? So true. And so, yeah, I mean, there's so many nuggets I could tell you. I mean, one of my other mentors, he said this to me, uh, which was, um, we all have two deaths, the day you die and the day, the last time your name is ever said. So we think about legacy and all those different things. Like these are all just little, you know, there's little things that we have to, I, I believe it's very important to, to think about at all times. Um, so but the greatest investment that everybody that I've surrounded myself is ourselves. And we have to be very, very intentional. Um, I'm very intentional by relationships. I'm very intentional with the people I speak to. I'm very intentional on a podcast I'm invited on or the guests I bring onto a podcast. Uh, I'm, um, you know, when I had COVID, for example, um, I had someone come and had the audacity to tell me, well, I hope you're not getting the vaccine because it's like poison and you're going to, and I'm like, I, I never, I keep my business to myself. If someone wants to go and get a vaccine, great. If they don't, that's okay. It's none of my business. It's their choice. I, I believe in pro-choice when it comes to certain aspects. And this is one of them. Pro-choice, make your decision. If you want to go have um, unprotected sex with someone on the streets, go ahead. I don't care that you, you deal with the consequence, so to speak. Sorry, that's a little bad for you. Oh, no, no, it's not. Uh, my book is all about <laughs> sex and shame. So you're okay, speaking to the choir. Um, <laughs> So, but this gentleman had the audacity to tell me this. And I said to my partner, I said, he's, this, he's no longer welcome in our house. I don't care. How dare he enter my house and voice? I never asked for his opinion. I didn't ask for nothing. We don't often. We don't often. We don't, but people right? really do want to share it, don't they? And, and even in Clubhouse, for example, like I'm very intentional to rooms I join. And there was this one night I, I, there was, and I said, oh, wow, there's a lot of traffic in this room. I'm like, this is pretty cool. Like, I mean, there was like, heavy hitters in there there was like grant cardona on there and i go on it and the people are like there's a full-blown argument one hand someone saying you talked to my girlfriend about this and oh, then 
And then there's other people talking about vaccination. And I said, I'm not going to mention any names, but they're big names. And I said, I got out and I said, this is ridiculous because these are people on the outside saying their mindset, abundant mindset. No, they're fraudsters because they still like you're one or the other. You're one or the other. So I'm very intentional. That's why I love breakfast, breakfast of champions. Yeah. That's why I love it is because there's vulnerability. There's abundance. There's a purpose to serve others. Hundred percent. I think if people and when people, it's not to say that there shouldn't be constructive conversation or communication in those areas. I'm all for that. But if it's not having intentionality of growth, right? What's the point? Because stagnancy or pedaling backwards, I don't have time or intention towards. Not anymore. And I feel like in a previous life, I was willing to do that, right? You're willing to point fingers and stand in comparison and try to people please and meet others' expectations. And it has less about you and more about them. And that's why at the end of the day, you don't, again, get back in the mirror and know who or what you're doing because you haven't done anything for yourself. You haven't even tapped in to be like, am I even hungry? I don't know. I just went to dinner and lunch and breakfast and did all of these things. And you haven't even tapped in to your being. And so I I can't get into a lot of those conversations because I'm sitting there thinking I could be actually serving. Maybe that serving is just me, but this isn't serving me or anybody that I'm connected to. Because what goes into your heart, what goes into your mind, what you fuel yourself with in your own ears, like podcasts like these it's going to come out eventually. And if it's coming out and it's just hurting other people, it's not creating a legacy. That's for dang sure. No, that's just a peacock effect of puffing out your chest Yes, and saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. I'm talking. And again, you know, as I said before, that was me. That was me. I'd have to be in the front of the stage. You know, now I just, I I take pride. I actually want to get a t-shirt made, t-shirt made saying I'm this, I'm the dumbest person in the room. Feed me. Yeah. I'm hungry to learn, right? So, yeah, that's an interesting thought too. And I'd love to bring that up. We're about to round it out here. Um, there's two questions. One, as you said, that last piece, um, mentorship and really um, high level investment into self has been something I've been doing over the last about four years. And this past year took a bigger leap into the investment space of my mindset, of my abundance, of my ability to have high ticket sales, right? So this is going to be a little selfish, but we have a lot of entrepreneurs on here. So I hope it serves them. Um, When you have that limiting belief of what you've been taught in regards to money and how you should value yourself, a lot of things are on an hour by hour basis, or um, it, it's at a threshold. I'm thinking of like even a therapist versus a coach, right? Knowing that we've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in our own investments, how do you kit cost? And how do you say, hey, this is what I'm worth? Um, the, the statement that you made earlier was really helpful, just in the sense of thinking it's less about what you're worth and more about how much they value themselves. Right. Help me with some limiting beliefs in that regard. Sure, absolutely. Um- it's like asking your child, what do they think they're worth? And they're like, oh, I don't know, hundred bucks. No, you're, you're, you're worth infinity. So why can't we put that? Why can't we say that about ourselves? Because they're watching everything we're doing. As much as my children have been alienated from me, I know they're watching. And maybe one day they say, wow, my dad has really invested himself. And look at the, look at the things he's done. Look how many people he's helped and so forth. You know, so for me, you, there's no, it, it, again, it's going to be up to every single person. Now, you know what? Yes, some mentorship programs are going to be costly, but you don't need to spend lots and lots of money. You just need to get in the game. 
Just get in the game and you know what? Drop your ego at the door in any capacity and start from there. There's great mentors. The best, the best, some of the best mentors are at the library. Yes, good. Right? You know, people, you know, there's that saying, right? You are what you eat. You are what you think. What are you feeding your mind? What, what music do you listen to? I, I joke with the kids and the kids saying, oh, yeah, we like listening to these guys. And I'm like, oh, I, and I make fun of names on purpose. I call one, like, <laughs> a, I think one's called Bum Smoke and Juice Box is another one. But I said, didn't, didn't these people die trying to hide drugs, trying to get through airport security? And they're like, yeah. And I said, so are those good role models? So, I'm, I'm, you know, for me, I, that's the thing I, I tell myself. And, you know, some of the best advice that was ever given to me is that when you give yourself advice, pretend you're giving it to your children. What would you say to them? And it becomes the bad guy in the room. Yeah. I think a lot of times it's like getting outside of self and, and actually having the exchange, knowing that valuation that's going to be exchanged. Cause I learned just as much from my clients as they learn from me, just in a total different realm. Right. And even though I'm helping and supporting them in one way, I'm analyzing and learning and receiving if you're spending time with anyone, you should be receiving whether or not that's good or bad. That's up to you and the safe, the safe people and the boundaries that you've created. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think that there's so much more to high ticket sales than just the first change of money. It's so much more than that. Absolutely. And yet that's the only thing people put emphasis on. I'm like, you forget you forgot you're small minded, right? Yes. It's like the what if, right? This is probably my favorite question that my coach, Mike Zeller, has been asking me this year is, is just the question of what if, right? And like allowing your mind and your body and your dreams and everything that you encompass to step in to that dream state of sure. what if. And what happens when you do that is the growth. Like you literally feel yourself, your chest, your shoulders, your chin, everything rises because there's an opportunity before you. And the best thing to remember is that the opportunity you're looking for is often you. Absolutely. 100% I agree. And and, and for me, people have asked me, um, you know, many times, what are some of the secrets of high ticket sales and doing over $100 million in high ticket sales? It's how you treat people. It's how you treat people. Now we can go, we can dissect that further. Are you listening to them? It's how you make them feel. Are you best serving their needs? See, one of the words I hate in sales the most or sentences I hear, I hear from people is I close them. When someone says I close them, it means I've taken advantage of them in my eyes. Okay. It means it's a zero sum game. One person won, one person lost. That's not my business acumen. My business acumen, it has to be a plus, like it has to be a positive sum game. It has to be a win-win. Otherwise, it's not business because then I'm not serving. That's so valuable. And, you know, I, I tell people that I remember, you know, I'd get these quotas and like your quota is $5 million and I'd have these anxiety attacks saying, oh my God, I got to get $5 million in sales. I got a year to do it. The switch for me was I'm going to serve 5 million people. Makes it a lot easier waking up every day thinking you're going to serve people. And I never had a problem hitting those targets. I actually blew past them. That servant leadership conversation that I love so much. And again, it is it is serving. Everything's serving, not selling. Selling is when I go by and I'm getting something off of a food stand, right? But even then, that person has likely toiled 
with their hands in order to build the stand at which you're buying it. I get to go to Mexico a lot because I have a lot of family there and they are the hardest workers. And I am the most excited to give them the amount that they're requesting that I know the actual product is not worth. Like I know the actual value of the hat or the bracelet or what the shirt, whatever it is, the textile but I see their story in their eyes. You see the story when they stand up immediately because a white person is coming to speak to them, a blonde white person at that. I go to Guadalajara. So everybody, there's not Cancun. It's like, I am the only white haired, blonde haired, uh, blue eyed person. They stand and they're smile and they are giving everything they have in that moment. That's what you're paying for. It's not necessarily the textile. The textile is the memento but there's so much more in my spirit, in your soul, in the relationship that develops, that that's where the true value comes into play. And the value comes from a, a major choice with any relationship or anything, which is, do you want to have a transactional relationship or a transformational relationship? Mm-hmm. And sadly, humankind is just the way humankind has become. It's become more transactional than it has been transformational. And, you know, we, there's always people saying we got to make, you know, the, I'll go to politicals. Let's make America great again and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, let, let's get relationships back to where they were before. Like there's there's a dire need for 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 humankind. Uh, you know, even, even in talking to men, a lot of men feel castrated during COVID. And I say that because they feel they have no control because other other institutes are making control from them. They've seen their incomes go down. They've seen all these other things. They feel like they've lost their manhood. Mm. Women feel out of touch. They feel out of touch with a lot of their relationships because of these things. It comes down to relationships. We need to get our spirits back because that's what we have control over. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things I'm so passionate about getting in person with people is, you know, it's great to have these conversations. And fortunately, I've been able to do it. It hasn't shifted kind of the, the paradigm of the podcast, but when I'm with people and then they get to come on the show or I'm with people on the show and then I get to see them in person, the bond curated in that regard is just so much more strong. And I feel like we're able then to go out and really affect the masses in a better way because we've not just sat with our own energy. We've borrowed the energy of other people and it's compounded to something that much more grandiose. That's why when they say like, how, how do you have so much energy? Well, I just went to this place. I went to this mastermind with 20 other people. I was the smallest fish in the pond. And I am going after the big goal, the what if goal that I didn't have even in my repertoire a week before. Sure. And so it's so important for us to get out of our comfort zones and to go into those places, find the mentors that we can follow suit from, but also understand that they're not the end all be all. And I think I got that wrong a lot as well. I saw that this person had on the exterior, maybe even on the interior, the things that I wanted, but they weren't me. And so I got close enough into mentorship where I realized there were some red flags in certain areas. And I'm like, that's actually not fulfillment to me. And so making sure that you have a multitude, no different than when you're in school and you have lots of different teachers to grow the one human, you need a lot of different teachers to grow the one human as an adult too. And there shouldn't be stigma around who those mentors are, therapists, doctors included, right? Absolutely. And and the one thing I know we're tight on time, the one thing I tell people is take pride, look in the mirror and tell yourself you're a high performance individual. Whether and, and, And if we have to use another parable, you look at F1 vehicles. 
an F1 vehicle just doesn't have someone on the side of the tracks. You have an aerodynamic specialist. You have someone taking care of the driver. You have someone taking care of the tires, the brakes, and so forth. We are high-performance individuals. It's very hard to find a, a holistic approach to a mentor that can look at all avenues. But finding those specialists in those areas, but then one has to be self-aware of which areas of their life do they need the most help with now, 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 now. Yeah, yeah and it just it makes me honestly think of the church and how pastors even have gotten such a bad rap when they're human. Right. Yes. And and that's just simply not fair. <laughs> Honestly, it's just not fair. You that's cannot right. put people on pedestals, no matter what pedestal they might have stepped onto by choice or a pedestal other people have put them on. And so while we have mentors and we can really be connected in one area, it's so important that, that we don't give them the false idolship because that's, again, doing exactly what you and I experienced before. And that's creating expectations and setting expectations on somebody else when no one can live up to that. Absolutely. Mark, it has been such an honor. I am so excited for people to go to your your podcast, to your website. You guys, all the links are dropped below. 7-2 Mindset Investor, Mark Smith on LinkedIn. Uh, where do you want to send them most? Where do you, I know I get to see you on Clubhouse all the time. Is that where you're hanging out a majority of the time besides yeah. the podcast? I'd say it's Clubhouse and Instagram. Those are going to okay. be your best bets um, for finding me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Those are gonna be the best bets for sure. I love it. You guys get to hear him like off the cuff in clubhouse and just no different than he was today. And it always brings such value to every room you're in. So I value you, honor you. Thank you so much for your time today. Likewise. Thank you so much, Tamara. Hi y'all. Hey y'all. It's me again. I hope in today's episode, you sense and ignite to an ember within you. Something mentally, physically, emotionally, or spiritually moving that creates and sustains a fire within your journey. Before you go, let's solidify the flame. I'd love for you to take a step right now in declaring your takeaway. By snapping a pic of the episode you tuned into, share your sparked moment and tag me at fitandfaith underscore podcast or me personally at tamara.andress on Insta. I hope that I can keep you accountable and also share you with the greater community of the Fit and Faith podcast listeners. We're totally in this together. Community over competition is the motto, right? I'd also be incredibly grateful if you took an extra second to leave a review on iTunes or your podcast listening app. I'd love to feature your thought in the next episode and give you and your passion project a big shout out. You know I'm a writer, so I love words and I can't wait to read what you have to say. I'm ready to fuel the flame with you together. And until next time, blessings over your joy, health, wealth, and wholeness. Tune in next time. Hello, my name is Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we're the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, check us out, Life After Addiction Podcast, and you can subscribe at lifeaudio.com.